thanks for dialing into our podcast. We're the Light Church Bradford here in Yorkshire, England, a church committed to following Jesus and loving our city back to life again. We truly hope and pray this week's message helps you and encourages you on your journey, especially in these really challenging times. Great. Before I, um, before I speak, I'm going to ask uh, Hannah um, to come and, uh, and read the Bible to us that we're going to be studying today. Put your hands together for Hannah. Morning, everyone. Although I'm quite a loud northerner, so you can hear me. Okay, so I'm reading from the NIV version. I think, is it coming up here? Yeah. Um, I don't own an NIV version, I only own NLT, so I'm reading from the phone. So, all right, great. So we're reading from um, John 15, verses 1 to 8. So, 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Thanks, Hannah. That is great. And um, so, yeah. Great to see so many people here this morning, running out of space a little bit. Thank you to all the people who stayed at home and uh, are watching online. Hi, Mum. (laughs) Always nice to say hello to your Mum. And Tarzan. And anyone else who can't make it. Hi, Cal. Anyone else who's not here that you know is watching online? Anyone else? Wow. Okay, really connected (laughs) church. And uh, that's cool. I know where everyone is, and I know what everyone's up to. And, um, but yeah. So... As a church, we are on a a mission from God. We're on a mission from God to be a a family of disciples who are making disciples that together are loving Bradford and beyond back into life. And uh, it's exciting this morning to be sharing something with you that I I genuinely believe is going to be a key part of helping us live out this vision, live out this mission, live out this call that I believe is the call of every church. And, uh, and you might be asking, but Matt, what is a disciple? I thought you'd be asking such a question. I thought some of you. And, um, you know, if I'm supposed to be a disciple, and if I'm supposed to make disciples, can you actually help me understand what exactly one is? Because I've heard this term thrown around, we use it a lot, but how can you kind of nail it down? How can you clarify it? I have to say that as, when I started this job two years ago, kind of one of the key things I was wrestling with was, what do we mean by that word? You know, this kind of, this, 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 this phrase that mostly is only used in Christian circles, not exclusively, but mostly, what do we mean by this, this phrase, this, this Greek word, mathetis, 
which gets translated disciple, but also in different places can get translated into apprentice, get translated into the word learner, get translated into, um, yeah, into the word student even. What does it mean when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus? And this is going to be our best but flawed effort at trying to explain that, okay? I'm not going to present you with something perfect other than, well, I will present you with Jesus. He is the only perfect one. And uh, if you expect perfect things in this church, then you will be sorely disappointed. And um, so, but this passage uh, that Hannah um, just, just read out to us. So obviously, we could unpack the passage for weeks. We could talk about the father who is the gardener. We could talk about how he prepares the soil and how he does his bits and pieces. We could talk about pruning. Good news, we're not talking so much about pruning today, so you can all take a sigh of relief at that. Um, we could talk about judgment. It talks about judgment. There's some challenging stuff in there about judgment. We're not going to be talking about that today either. We're going to be talking about abiding or remaining and bearing fruit. And we're also going to be talking about the bit of the analogy that Jesus uses that he doesn't actually mention, okay? There is, there is, there is a part of it that he doesn't actually mention um, kind of in it. And, um, and, and that is this, the trellis, okay? Now you might say, but Matt, there's no trellis mentioned in the story. George, that was exceptional. I have to say, you're, that was abs absolutely exceptional. If we could all be a bit more like George, okay. Now you might say, Matt, there's no trellis mentioned in the story. Of course there isn't a trellis mentioned in the story because Jesus knew that they knew there was going to be a trellis involved. He didn't have to talk about a trellis because they knew there was going to be a trellis. The fact that you don't know that there's a trellis in the story is your cultural lack of understanding and your horticultural lack of understanding as well. But don't make that feel, let you feel bad because that's partly why I'm here to help you understand that there is a trellis in the story. Because, I don't know if you've ever been to a vineyard. Anyone ever been to a vineyard? Do you remember it? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah. If, if you have, or if you've had, I, I remember we were on a holiday in France. You know, I remember cycling kind of through and these, these fields. And, and they kind of had these rickety posts. And there, there should be a, a photo to go with this. Okay. Those don't look very rickety. I remember the ones we saw. They looked quite rickety. These kind of posts. But kind of one to the next, to the next, to the next. Didn't look anything like this. Okay, this is English trellis. You probably wouldn't grow a vine on that unless you're growing it over like a little kind of like courtyard area. But when they're growing it, you can see the, the, the kind of post after post after post. And then these wires that effectively connect the posts. So, uh, when I saw them, I was like, how does anything kind of grow up that and hold up that? And, 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 and the grape grower, or the vigneron, <laughs> Okay, for the French speakers in the room, and, uh, and also for Rachel, who will be listening back and watching this, who really likes the vigneron, and uh, uses it to ensure the branches are held up, okay? To ensure that the branches, as they grow, they've got something to grab hold of, 
with their kind of like their little twirly kind of like grape branchiness things, yeah, as they come up, they kind of grow and they grab hold of the wires. You'll see on there that the trellis is not for the, the, the vine or the trunk, okay? That's growing perfectly well by itself. Pretty solid, pretty thick, and it doesn't really need a trellis to hold on to. It's got enough strength in its own being to just hold itself up. So the good news is, that's Jesus. Okay, did you notice that when, when Hannah kind of spoke it? Jesus said, I am the vine. In other words, I'm the solid, pretty immovable bit that doesn't need loads of help and support. You, however, <laughs> you weak people, uh, you are the one, you are the branches. And, and everyone would have gone, oh, that must mean we need a trellis. You might not think that, because remember, horticulturally ignorant, um, like me. Um, but you need a trellis, because you need something to cling on to, to hang on to, to be trained onto. This is what the, the vigneron would do. Go along, find the branches, and now the branches can do it mostly by themselves. By the way, I'm doing that because that's kind of what the branches do as they grow. Um, but also, sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, that's a branch. It's fallen to the ground. I'm just going to tie that up. And so it knows what direction it should be going. And effectively, this, what we are calling the discipleship framework, is our attempt to put together a bit of a trellis that as you work out what it means for you to be a disciple, to be a student, to be an obedient follower of Jesus, you've got a bit of an idea around what that might look like and what that could look like. And also, as you go to help other people to say, to other people to kind of like become disciples, you've got an idea of how you can help them to understand what it might look like. And, you know, you might look and go, well, is that it? And you might look at our discipleship framework and go, is that it? Um, yes, <laughs> that is it. And in many ways, it's really quite simple, but hopefully profound in its simplicity. A bit like me. Um, excuse me, let me get my drink. So effectively what we've tried to do is take the whole counsel of Jesus, mix it, blend it, interpret it in light of the whole counsel of Scripture, and come up with some straightforward, trellis-like framework to say, this is what it like, looks like. And we've put it all under three different headings, which will come up on the screen. And uh, again, once again, this is fully plagiarized. Um, so it comes under be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and this actually is, you can see it's really bad grammar. So for those of you who know me, this is my original take on it. Okay, do like Jesus. Now John Mark Comer, okay, who's a really, really well-known author and communicator, says do what Jesus would do. 
But I say, what does he know about communication? Yeah? <laughs> and so I've changed it to do like Jesus. Just to make it fit in the circle, basically. <laughs> um, and if it fits in the circle, if we can put it on a T-shirt, then it's all, all good, isn't it, really? Um, and, uh, and so what I'm going to do very quickly this morning is just give you an insight into what we as a leadership team, and we, we've worked this through as a leadership team, haven't we, Steve? Yeah, as a member of the leadership team that is here this morning, and, uh, which is good. Others traveling, not well, all sorts of stuff going on. And, uh, and we work this through in a kind of like an exercise with post-it notes. You know, see, post-it notes makes it proper, um, doesn't it? And so what we're going to do is take a quick, very quick look at, at it. And then over the coming months, we're going to be just unpacking different bits and pieces. But this isn't a month's thing. It's a year's thing. This is going to be something that we believe can be a really strong foundation for us as a church. So let's start with Be With Jesus. And to do that, we're going to go back into the text that was read earlier. Um, But before we do that, before we read the words of Jesus, a little bit of Greek for you, okay? Because we do like a bit of Greek. And I I like languages and stuff like that. So can we have the slide with a little bit of Greek on? So, you'd heard this word remain um, read out quite a few times because we used the New International Version. And so, because we used the New International Version, which is a version of Bible translation, we translated it into the word remain, which you can see up there. Um, It's the word meno. Now, if you got the New King James Version out, you would have seen it translated as abide. If you got the English Standard Version out, you'd have seen it translated as abide. And this is, this is great, and I think this is, I'm just throwing this in because when you read the English, there's so often so much more going on behind the text than our English minds and language. So the Greek had one word, meno, and so the, the King James Version of the Bible tra- takes the word meno and translates it, translates it into abide 61 times, translates it into remain 16 times, dwell 15 times, continue 11 times, tarry, that's an old word back when King James was alive, nine times, endure three times, and five other miscellaneous translations of the word. So this just starts to give you a little bit of an idea that when you read a word, you can read the word remain, go, oh, I wonder what it means to remain. I thought it was abide. They're quite different really, aren't they? Yes, they are. And so the Greek word is just trying to get over to us that it is this sense of living closely with for a continual period of time. It is abiding, which means to kind of like live really kind of close to. It means dwelling, which again means to live somewhere. And it also means to remain, to stay in that place and to not move. So Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. Abide in me as I also abide. Dwell, live, stay in me as I dwell, live, stay in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must Remain, it must abide, live, stay in the vine. 
and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain, stay, live, dwell, abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And for me, the whole concept of being with Jesus is this concept of abiding, this concept of remaining, this concept of living really, really closely with. It is about being deeply and intimately connected to the creator God who made us, loves us, sustains us, and wants the very best for us and the world around us. And every discipleship journey has to start there. Every discipleship journey, every journey of following Jesus has to start with being with God, with being with Jesus, being with the Father, being with the Holy Spirit. We're very much focusing on kind of like be with Jesus, but kind of whole trinities included. And it's being rooted in God, which is why Jesus used the analogy of the vine going into the ground and then us, the branches, being rooted into the vine. As a good friend and a former mentor of mine says, and this is good because it rhymes, okay? Your root determines your fruit. Amen. Was that yes that it rhymed, Steve? Or oh, yes, it's yes, a good, good, good concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and it's true. We'll come to this. That if we abide in Jesus, we expect good fruit. And so we've sought, sought to really just kind of simplify. Okay, okay. So say, for example, come and someone walks in today and says, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. What does it look like? Okay, right, okay, we'll start off. It starts with being with Jesus. It starts with being with, abiding, remaining. Well, what does that look like? Well, a lot of it, you just take it for granted, what it looks like, but I think it's really good to um, express it. And so here are, I think, eight things that we, it's a bit small, I realize that, eight things that we would be saying as a leadership team that this is, these are ways that we be with Jesus, that we abide with him, that we remain with him. And again, there's, in one sense, there's no rocket science, but we're just trying to distill it down so we can kind of go, oh, okay, what's the path I'm walking? Where am I going? What does it look like? And it's about being a person of prayer. It's about being a spirit-led worshiper. It's about being in the Bible. It's about being a learner, seeking to continue to kind of like learn. It's about being in Christian community, ensuring that you are engaging with kind of other people who are themselves seeking to follow Jesus and to live um, with him. It's about being still and at rest, not always rushing, but taking time, taking time in your week to stop from your work, to stop from your labor, taking time during the day to stop from the busyness, to know God because the word says, be still and know that I am God. So you want to be with Jesus, you need to take some time to be still and to know Jesus. And finally, being a faster. <laughs> I put that one in because it's the hardest one. <laughs> 
and uh, nearly took it out this week, but felt, felt kind of convicted. I hate fasting. <laughs> I really, really do. Um, all types of it. And, uh, but I've got friends who mentors me who's just finished a 19-day fast just to be with Jesus. It's like, okay, I can do 19 hours. Um, <laughs> we long to lead a church of people, a community of people, a family who are known for being with Jesus, for spending time with God, abiding, remaining, and staying and we want to use this as a way personally to kind of say, is this the life I'm living? Is this what I'm doing? And as home church leaders, how can we encourage people to be with Jesus? Well, home church leaders don't need to work it out. It's just like, okay, here's some areas that we can think about, we can pray about, that we can work it out. So, moving swiftly on. So, <clears throat> Jesus is really clear that abiding, remaining, being leads to fruit. It always leads to fruit. And fruit is quite simply this. It is change. If you think about fruit growing on a tree, it is a tree where there is nothing currently, and then it starts to change, and stuff starts to grow. And you hope it's good stuff that's starting to grow, but effectively that is just it's change that is happening to that tree and in that tree. And it's exactly the same with you. That is what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for change in you. And kind of distilling this down to two different categories and two different types of change takes us on to the next two elements that grow out of be with Jesus. And uh, if we could have that up on, up on the screen, Joe. Okay. So there's become like Jesus, which is about change in you. And then there is do like Jesus, which is about being change in the world. You do know, don't you, that it's God's very, very, very best plan for you to become like Jesus. That he wants to take your selfishness, your self-centeredness, your anger, your pride, your low self-esteem. He wants to take everything that is part of your current personality and character and he wants to mold it and shape it that you would look more like Jesus. If we go back to the vine, it is about having a healthy vine. It's about this vine which, if it just drops to the floor, the kind of fruit it's going to grow is either going to, it's going to start, well, it won't grow that well because it's on the floor and it's not up and it's not getting the air and it's not being free from the bugs and the insects that are down there. It's not getting the sunshine that could be growing on it because it's too low down. It's, you know, it, it, it's just a mess. It's like, no, we've got to get it. We've got to tie it to this trellis that the fruit that grows might be good fruit. It's about being healthy, a healthy branch, healthy in your identity, healthy in your soul, healthy in your emotions. That is Jesus' plan for you. 
but quickly just uh, th throw them up. I'm going to um, send all this out, by the way, by PDF um, afterwards. So if you're trying to make notes, can I have the next slide? A few Bible verses. I haven't got time for them. Sorry. I've already cut about half my talk out. Can I have the next slide, Joe? Great. This is our best and flawed attempt of what it means to become like Jesus. Becoming secure in your new identity as a loved, adored, cherished child of God and all that that means. It's about becoming a fruits of the spirit personality. Someone who walks and expresses life with love and with joy and with peace, peace, <laughs> Pish and patience. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> spirit of Sean Connery be gone. Um, <laughs> I was trying so hard to remember all nine of the fruits of the spirit. <laughs> it is about becoming that person of goodness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control and gentleness as well. It's about becoming like Jesus by being humble and servant-hearted. And yet it's also about being, becoming like Jesus by being courageous and radically obedient. It's about becoming counter-cultural. Counter-cultural not only to the world, but also to religion, which Jesus was very counter-cultural to. And also it's about becoming inclusive and welcoming to all. And this is this sits really at the heart of what I long to see in our church. Because I personally think that one of the biggest, biggest kind of things that, that the enemy uses to turn people off from Jesus today are Christians that look Christians that look nothing like Jesus. I know I, I know we fight huge other worldviews like secularism and all sorts of other stuff, yes. But if we could just, as a church, start to look a bit more like Jesus, I think that would be a great start. And I think it should be a fruit that naturally grows out of being with him. But don't take that as absolutely guaranteed. Because there are Christians around the world who read their Bible every day, go to church every week, who are still pretty horrible people. That is not his plan. That is not the fruit that he plans for us. And Jesus said in verse 8, he said, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Can I have that verse up, Joe? This is to my Father's glory. I haven't got it. Who put this presentation together? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I don't make mistakes. <laughs> i read it again then. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That phrase, this is to my Father's glory, I understand that to mean you make God look better to the world when you bear this kind of fruit. 
when you demonstrate patience, when you demonstrate forgiveness, when you demonstrate humility, when you demonstrate courageous obedience, you make God look better to the world. But Jesus was also really clear as we read the whole counsel and story of Jesus and the whole counsel and story of Scripture, that this was not simply, we have really nice time with Jesus, we become a really, really kind of like humble, kind patient, loving person who does nothing, okay? That is not the plan. And if you want to listen to a little bit more of this, if you go back to our Kingdom of God series from last July, we really, really unpack this, though, how we are to be kingdom bringers. That it's Jesus' plan that we should go and do like Jesus, that we should go and do the things that Jesus did. We should go and do the things that are on Jesus' heart. And, and he's re- Jesus is really clear about this. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. He says the second command is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, referring to that and the previous one. And he said in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you says it again, so you must love one another. These are the commands of Jesus, really kind of very, very simply put. That we grow in our love for God, loving him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. As a result of that, we we become different people with better emotional health, better spiritual health, better health of the soul as we get a new identity. And oh, how often we stop there. It's like, no, go and do. Matthew 28, Jesus says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And he commands us to be, and he commands us to become, and he commands us to go and to do, always in the name of love. And we throw, kind of, these are, these are kind of, again, These need unpacking probably more than most because we've had to use really broad uh, kind of like concepts here. Can I have the final slide, please, Joe? Have I missed another one out? There we go. Hurrah. Again, we will unpack this. We're not just going to unpack it on a Sunday morning. We're going to be doing blogs. We're going to be doing materials to come out with all of this sort of stuff. We're going to be creating a home church kind of like materials to be working through so that you can think about this and process this. At the top, I put doing kingdom deeds. And uh, hey, it's a pretty broad topic for me there. That would be everything from being a kind of a, a creative person into the world to being a person that is fighting against poverty and injustice, about caring for people. You could, I could put a lot of stuff under there, by the way, but some of them are covered under, under the next ones. Doing faith sharing, that we should be sharing our faith. That is part of what Jesus calls us to be and to do as disciples, to be those who proclaim that there is good news and Jesus brought the good news of the kingdom. Doing whole life worship. For me, what that means is Monday morning when you go to your job, that is worship. When you are writing your latest book, John Biglands, that is whole life worship. When you are raising children, that is whole life 
worship. It's really important that we don't see just singing songs to, to Jesus as wonderful as that is, and that's back in Be With Jesus as worship, whole life worship, doing sacrificial simplicity, living in a way that is sacrificial and simple with our time, with our treasure, with our talents, doing Holy Spirit works. So that is being prepared to speak God's truth through prophecy and moving in gifts of the Spirit, doing all forms of healing. So that's everything from those of you that work up at BRI to those of you who sit down and counsel people as they come to terms with the emotional healing they need to those of you who've got a gift of healing. You can lay hands on people and pray for God's healing and sickness to disappear in Jesus' name, doing all forms of healing, doing radical hospitality. That's a challenging one. That means sitting down to eat with people that don't look anything like you and don't share the same background as you. And finally, doing disciple making. We believe that this framework, and I realize I've spoken for a lot longer than we perhaps normally do, but I wanted to really unpack it for you so I didn't kind of leave you, leave you hanging. Really do believe that through starting off being with Jesus. It's a great place to start your day. It's a great place to start your work. As a result, we become like him. We become his image bearers to the world. We become imitators of God and the divine. You might think, really? Yes. One of the Bible verses I missed out. Be imitators of God. Walk as Jesus walked. And as we do that, as a church, we step out and we seek to be bringers of God's good rule in all of this world, in all of creation, in all people, wherever he places us and do like Jesus. Like I say, we're going to journey with this for quite some time, but... As I, like I said, as I started this new job two years ago, the question on my heart was, okay, Jesus, you say go and make disciples. I've got an idea of what that means. Can, can I, working with a leadership team, get to a place where, like, this is what it looks like? And I hope and pray that this is something that will really bless you. It will strengthen you. It will be a trellis that you, as the branch, can climb up and up and up and up as you fulfill everything that God has for you. Life in all of its fullness. Some of that stuff might not sound like fullness, especially fasting. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I believe this is a manifesto for life in all its fullness. All taken from scripture and all built on God's truth of all that he has for us. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, you made it to the end. That's even more encouraging. If you'd like to find out more about who we are, visit our website at thelightchurch.org.uk. We pray God's blessing on you now as you go into the rest of your day.